You're listening to A Late Discovery, a Texas side story of hidden secrets and jailhouse redemption. Part two, Family Lies. What were those first, I mean, those early emotions that first night you come home and talk to Pam and you're like, like what, did you have any words yet? Were you just kind of catatonic? Like how, how did that go? It was, it, there was a lot of being catatonic and a lot of just telling her, I just don't understand. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't understand why this has been a secret. I don't know who knows. I want to know things, but I'm terrified to know anything. Right. Because you know what? And we'll get into that later. You know, what kind of other secrets does this uncover? It turns out a ton. So, you know, there, there's so many things that you build a a reality based on who you think you are based on the people that raised you. Right. And suddenly all of that at some level is wrong. And to some degree it made sense because I I mean, not probably not right then, right then it, nothing made sense. It was just a lot of staring at a wall I mean, I think I spent a lot of time in the bathroom staring at the mirror, just yeah. trying to figure out who, who in the hell is looking back at me because I don't know you anymore. I knew you until this evening, but now I have no idea who you are. Right. And at the same time, as much as it gets under my skin and makes me want to lose my mind, people say, well, you know, nothing really changed. To a degree, they're right. Because the next morning when I woke up, my wife was still here. My three kids oh, were right. still here. It was yeah. the same house. I went back to the same job. Literally nothing changed in my life, but my entire past changed. So it's, it's a really weird paradox of it's true. Nothing changed. My, you know, my parents in theory were still, were still my parents. I still had a mom and dad that raised me. Mm -hmm. Apparently I had a whole nother mom and dad somewhere else. I didn't know anything about. Yeah. I didn't know back then that it turns out I had siblings, but it's, it's this really, it's probably one of the weirdest places to ever find yourself in where everything in your life, you could go on the next day. And if you didn't tell anybody, nothing would seem different. Right. But right. in your head, literally everything, everything. is different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you were thinking about those first early moments and were you having any aha moments? Like, I bet that's why this is different or I'm different in this way. Or, I mean, are you, are you similar to your, your, the family you grew up with? Not at all. And, okay. and it really, it took like probably it. months to settle in, to settle into understanding that because really the, the group that I gravitated to first, and that that's once again, thanks to my wife was it one of the, one of the first emotions I felt was very alone because the, the first thing you think is there is no way this has happened to very many people. There, there's right. just, there's no way it can't be possible. And so a couple of days in, she said, you know, have you thought about looking on Facebook or anything? Are are there support groups for this kind of thing? This has to have happened to other people. And I was like, there's no way this happens to other people. There's just, it's insane. And one of the first groups I had had 6,000 people in it. Good gracious. They they weren't all adoptees, but they were all people. It was was specific to consumer DNA surprises. There were 6,000 people online that had all spit into a tube, mailed it off. And found out in one way or another, one of their parents, at least, was not their parent. And I I think that was probably the best thing in the world was to find some other people. Because my wife is wonderful. This next July, we were married for 30 years. I've known her. We've dated since we were 17. I'm 52 now. So she's been my support system for everything. 
but there's literally nobody else that will ever understand this that hasn't been told, Hey, by the way, your parents, not so much. Right. So it was good to find people Mm -hmm. that at least understood the shock of it all. But -hmm. at the same time, those are also depending on which one, which areas you find, they tend to be some very trauma filled, I won't say toxic places, but there's so much pain in there. There's very little healing or moving forward going on because I think the one group that I started with then that had 6,000 is now 10,000, three years later. So every day somebody new is coming in with that same shock. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was, that was probably, that's the biggest was just the, the constant, Mm -hmm. the constant not knowing and the constant, and it, this, I've had debates with people out there. So, you know, your parents never lied to you and truly they never did. They never said, they never said you're not adopted. So they didn't tell that exact lie. Sure. They just never told the truth about anything. So we can debate what version of lying that is, but the, the really bad part is now you question everything they've ever told you. Oh, yeah. The foundation of trust is shattered. Yes. There's, there's 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 not, that foundation is not there anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and especially when, and I mean, I love, I love my dad to death. He passed in 2020, but when you're adopted is immediately followed with the lie. We've been trying to figure out a way to tell you, well, you're for 48 years, you've never been able to figure out a way to tell me when you've watched my wife and I struggle with infertility, when we could have possibly adopted a kid if we wanted to. Right. I had cancer at one point and my mom's response was, that is so weird. Cancer doesn't run in our family. And as Tanawell knows, it runs well in our family. Yes, it does. So all yeah. of these times where you can look back and say, oh no, I can tell you all the times you could have done it. Yeah. They wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been fun times having cancer and, oh, you're adopted, but still there were moments. So when you follow up immediately the truth with the next cover up lie, there's, there can't be any more trust. Yeah. Did you talk to your mom about it eventually? Say, tell me about those first conversations with your mom. So I didn't know this back then. My dad had done a phenomenal job of covering it up. My mom was in the early stages of Alzheimer's then. Mm. But the so what ended up happening was after I found out that would have been, I think, it was a Thursday or a Friday night. My days off were Sunday and Monday. I told my dad that, uh, you know, I, I'm not. I, I think I lied and said, you know, I'm not angry with y'all because I just didn't want to talk about it anymore. But I was like, I'm not angry. And I just need a couple of days before I see y'all to figure out what I need to know. Right. So I gave it till Monday and I met them and we'll, we'll get into this part deeper later. I met them to what I thought was an opening discussion into, Hey, you're adopted. Let's talk about this. And it ended up being really only one of two conversations we ever had about me being adopted and the wow. rest of the time that my dad was alive. And then my mom's touched on it a couple of times, but she prefers not to speak of it ever at all. So, and well, I mean now, and now thankfully with the Alzheimer's, I think she's forgotten that I know that I'm adopted and that's probably best. It's I'm, I prefer just to leave it that way for it's easier on her. Yeah. Man. So the, that first conversation with my parents together Ended up oddly enough being, well, and let me back up. I told Pam all the things I was curious about and said, could you please be my filter? Ask my aunt these things, find out, and then kind of filter them to me. 
as time goes along. And as time went along, turned out that I couldn't not know any of it as soon as I knew she knew it. So I knew pretty much my whole birth story within a day. I was going to ask you that. So that was not, your parents didn't tell you that story, Brad. They didn't know. My mom told Pam the story. Yes. Wow. I, I, I was wondering that. I'm like, I don't remember how that came to you. Okay. So it came, it came from your mom through Pam okay. to me, through the questions I was asking Pam to ask. Mm-hmm. And then in the most awkward conversation ever, I found myself over about two hours at my parents' house explaining to them the story behind my adoption and trying to make them feel better about keeping it a secret because adoptees usually try to keep their parents happy. And that was immediately and you found what I yourself sitting there in the everything's okay. This is all good. We're all fine. And I knew I was lying through my teeth, but I could not right. stop doing it. Yeah. And they, they had no, so to give you a background of my birth, cause it's very short and easy. My mom was the only one allowed in the hospital when I was born. That little hospital um, that you went to visit, right? Stevens Park. It's now called Stevens Park okay. Clinic. I think back then it was Stephen Park, Stevens Park Women's Clinic. Which have you learned didn't didn't our mothers live near there, right? Like they lived in that little neighborhood. Our Is mothers right? lived about two miles from there to okay. the south, and my grandparents lived about three miles to there from there to the north. Okay. All right. So, so sorry. All, now, now she's yeah. going in to give birth. And just to remind the only people at this point that know she's pregnant is my mom and my dad, because now my mom is remarried. So there's my mom and dad and your mom are the only ones in Texas, all the rest of the family in California. Right. Right. Okay. Yep. So, yep. So my mom was allowed in the hospital. She gave birth to me and stayed in there two days. Tana's mom was never allowed in the hospital to see her. My parents that adopted me were never allowed in the hospital. My parents showed up two days after I was born, which oddly enough is coincidences run ends up being my wedding anniversary. Um, Yeah. So my adoption day and my wedding anniversary are now on the same day, but they showed up two days after I was born. Their attorney walked into the hospital, met with Dr. Carmichael, who was the doctor that I used to go visit all the time. That was the family friend that it ended up being arranged this whole adoption. And a few minutes later, the doctor and, or Dr. Carmichael and the attorney walked out into the park, parking lot of the hospital, handed my parents a baby and said, here you go. Here's your baby. And that Holy was how they did adoption in 1970. Which is so, you know, ethical and above board and all these things. Sound, it sounds great. It's oh, horrible. <laughs> Okay, I want to tell more story, but I want to take a second because something just popped in my mind and I've heard you tell this before. And it's the, I was about to say the power of secrets, but that doesn't feel right. Let's say the um, catastrophic collateral of secrets, right? Because what was happening in, you know, our family was a big, big secret. There were a number of them sort of all layered on together. But there was a pregnancy with a sibling and husband knowing, but not even, I don't think that, I do not think the father was being talked about openly. Who the dad was, was not like an open conversation. So there's this bit, and we have a large family secret, big, big secret. But Brad, you were a secret in your adoptive family too, right? You didn't know, but surely... Did your grandparents know? I mean, how is there suddenly a baby 
in your adoptive family? Were there secrets? Uh, Obviously, since they managed to keep this one for 48 years, they were master secret keepers. Have you figured out who knew? I I have. It, It took me till I think it was early this year to figure out who the right person was to ask. Wow. Because my mom can't remember and my dad was gone. Yeah. And I finally reached out. My dad had an uncle or my dad had a brother that they were, they were oil and water. They had different views on life, thought about everything, but we would still go to California and visit him every once in a while. Cause of course my, some of my family from California too, cause everybody has to just tie together. I did not know that. But, oh my gosh. So, so we would go visit him and his very, his first wife, I think he was on wife number three or four before he passed away. His first wife was a very nice woman. I always remembered her. I had kept in touch with her even after they divorced. So one day I reached out to, it's her name's Kathy. And I reached out to who I call aunt Kathy. I was like, Hey, aunt Kathy, this is going to sound really weird, but did y'all, did the whole family know I was adopted? And she said, well, yes, of course we did. I said, okay. She said, did you not know? And I said, not till two and a half years ago. Holy cow. So what she told me was, and she just assumed at some point that it had come up. That, you know, obviously that this, nobody would keep this secret for 48 years. But (laughs) what she said happened was my grandmother on my dad's side called her to tell them, Hey, Brad's parents are adopting a baby. They're going to have a baby. They're all excited. This is what the baby's name. Baby's name is going to be Brad. It's going to be great. They're going to be here and there and all of this and hung up the phone. And she said about five minutes later, my grandma called back and said, do not tell anybody. This is a secret. They're not telling anybody. So she assumed that that was a short-term secret. Um, And it turned out that it was a lifelong secret. And how they managed as everybody knowing nobody to slip for 48 years, I'll never, ever understand. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my grandparents on my mom's side had to know because in in the world of what I've now learned is termed a gray market adoption because there, there was some paperwork involved that I'm still waiting to get tomorrow, but not a lot. But my parents, when they adopted me lived in Chicago. Well, back oh, then, I didn't you, know that, Brad. Yes. Back then, it was your grandparents that lived near the clinic, but your parents didn't live in DFW. No, my parents oh. were in Chicago. My dad worked for the airline and was based in Chicago. So, to get a Texas baby adopted, you had to have a Texas address. My parents oh. used my grandparents' address as their home address for the adoption, put an entire nursery in the spare bedroom of my parents house or of my grandparents house and when cps or i forgot what it was called back then but when they would come do a home visit to check on the baby my parents would fly from chicago to dallas put me in the crib with my grandparents house say sure this is where we live they would come do the home visit then we would all jump on a plane and fly back to chicago holy crap that and and that would just happen every single time and no one said anything that's one of the reasons I'm dying to get the pages that I can finally get to see what was written and what happened because mm. yeah, that, that was, that was what they did. So when did y'all move to Texas then? Probably, I think it was less than a year later. My dad, my mom wanted to live by her parents. Okay. 
and they were working steadily at getting back here to Dallas. So less than a year after I was born, they were finally based and living back here in Dallas. But back then, to their credit, from adopting me and going to Chicago, a young airline pilot and flight attendant moved to Dallas with a new baby. Nobody ever asks where the baby came from. So there right. weren't a bunch of friends to have to explain where this baby That's that nobody right. wants to talk about where it came from came from. Yeah. They showed up with the baby. Family. No yeah. It's just a sure. family. Yeah. Golly. Now, when you think back, are the, and, I, and I've heard parts of this conversation before, but when you move back, uh, in your mind, at least when you move back and you are thinking through your, your childhood and your upbringing, you know, what, what were the immediate things that jumped out as dissimilarities between the family you were being raised in and your actual family of origin as you started to learn more about them? Like the, I heard you talk about different interests and activities and stuff. Like what, what were some of those early discoveries for you? Sure. So um, I think the easiest and earliest one is I am introverted to a level that some people might call pathological. <laughs> and my parents are both diehard extroverts. When, when we had my dad's funeral, the first thing everybody said about him was that there was never a room that he walked into that he didn't immediately command. Yeah. I can go into a room and be there for two hours. And if I don't try to get your attention, I can leave and you'll never know I came in there. Yeah. So there was that. Um, as I grew up, and I was younger, I was very interested in art, music, things like that. My dad played baseball and football through high school, went to um, the University of Florida on a football scholarship, had pro football offers. Okay. Very, we can talk about this much more in depth if you want to, but very frustrating in life growing up, thinking that you should be good at sports because your dad was good at sports. Sure. And everything you're doing, hating to your very core and quite frankly, just sucking at it all. I hated yeah, feeling like, I how could he be so good at this? And I'm not, yeah. like, I, I mean, I've got his DNA. Yeah. Um, I look, and I say, I look a lot like her now that I've seen my actual biological mother and father, not near what I look like to them. I look close enough to my biological mother that I never really questioned anything. Mm -hmm. I always, I've never looked anything or close to my adoptive mother that I didn't question anything. I've never looked anything like my biological father, which always aggravated me to the end of the earth because he was a really good looking guy. And I'm like, why can I not look like him? Mm -hmm. Just, we, I mean, we, we couldn't look more different. So that was something we, we were just, we were very personality wise, very different people. Mm -hmm. And what, when I've really taken a deep dive and tried to look back and try to figure out, you know, where things were different and what was different, what I found more than anything was when my parents and I really butted heads, I can almost always, unless it was just me being a teenager and having a teenager moment, sure. I can almost always trace it back to where they tried to raise me as what their biological kid would be like and totally outside of my own genetics. Yeah. Like my, my mom wanted wow. me to have friends over every day and I'm like, oh my God, could these people just go yeah. away? Yeah. I just want to go to my room and read a book. Well, don't you want to have friends over? I'm like, why? Why can't I just go read a book? <laughs> it would be nice and quiet in there. I don't need people. So it it was all of those things that we really battled over that is where I really look back and I'm like, wow, that's the and I mean Tana can talk about this more because she's worked so much in this than me. But the baby is a blank slate theory is just a lie. There, there's just no truth to it. There's no blank slate there. Yeah. 
there's there's genetics that are in there that you can mold, but they're still there. Yep. If you mold them too far, the baby lashes back out because that's not the baby. That's right. And there's a relational rupture that you carry. Yes. No real understanding of what, what that is deep in there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you find out through my mom and Pam, who I love, sweet, loving yes. Pam, yes. Saint Pam, that you, you find out your birth story. You don't talk to you, but you didn't talk to your parents about that. Or you did. Just, just briefly. I told them okay. who, who my biological parents were. My, and we'll, I'm sure we'll dive into this a lot later. My biological father's situation that my biological mother had already passed away. Cause she had, wow. she passed. I guess it would have been 19 years before I found out that I was adopted. That's right. Let's stop right there. Let's let's hit a little moment because how the little stories collide. I learned about that there was a Brad in the world when my aunt died, which is his mother. Mm. So what was happening was my aunt passed away and I, you know, Mo and I already lived in Memphis, but I went back to DFW and I I just remembered this this morning, Brad. This is so interesting. My mom and Brad's mom, my aunt, were the dearest of friends. There's several women, but they were so, I mean, you could tell they lived together and sustained all this stuff. And then just, I mean, truly just the dearest of friends. My Aunt Glenda was a huge part of our life. Okay, she passed away. They worked together. I went to their work to help clean out her desk. I'm sitting at her desk, thinking, just processing her death, cleaning it out. When I get a phone call with the referral for our first adoption. Oh, wow. So I'm sitting at Aunt Glenda's desk and I'm in this deepest sadness of losing her. And hear this beautiful news that we have a child that we're going to go adopt that's in another country. So I go to mom and tell her. And I think that moment in time is probably what set some things in motion for mom to come back and tell me about you. Because what happened was she's processing the loss of her sister and best friend holding a secret just she and my dad. I'm becoming an adoptive mother. And I asked her the timeline. We can't remember. It wasn't long after that, that she said to me, I need to tell you a family secret. Wow. Because I don't want your dad and I to die and nobody to know this information. But I don't know what to do with it. And so I didn't know the details. I didn't know about who the father was. I didn't ask any follow-up questions. Sadly, family secrets were not surprising to me. Okay. My family of origin, it was not a surprise to get a phone call and learn some new information about something. (laughs) This was the pattern of communication, which we could talk a whole different podcast about my personal making sense of my past and why like lies and deceptions. I probably shared this on other episodes. If you're still listening and have listened to future ones, that's like one of my biggest personal triggers and it's totally family of origin stuff. So I'm like, oh, hell no, we don't keep secrets. We tell the truth. <laughs> they hurt people, you know, or whatever. So it's, it's not great. It's my own stuff. But, you know, mom told me, and I'm like, well, this is great. I now know something 
that my cousins do not know. <laughs> that was not fun. I really was glad I didn't live in the same city and I went home and just had to sit with that for a while until she figured out what to do with it. And we don't have to share any of the rest of that. But I just think it's super interesting. I was trying to figure out, I wonder what set mom in motion to feel the need to tell me that at that time. And as I thought about it, it was 100% tied to me becoming an adoptive mom. I really think that's what it was, Brad. I think she was swirling around and trying to figure out. And then she's watched me parent my children through adoption in a very open way. Yeah. And like really to the best of my ability, not perfectly ever honoring them, knowing their story, like truth is a high value when it's developmentally appropriate. Like, Letting adoptees have a voice and choice and an, and an, and a feeling and an emotion and a thought, like she's kind of been in that space with me all of these years. So it's a little bit of a different perspective, you know, as a grandparent of adopted children. So that's just an interesting little right there in that story, which is, you know, that's that. Well, and I think that had to have played into some of her decision to contact me. I'm sure it did. Would have been that she's watched you with all of your kids. That's right. And who keeps this? She wasn't around people that kept this as a secret. So surely this wouldn't be a secret. Yep. Oh, and sees the beauty of it, right? Sees the beauty of that knowledge and the intertwined stories. And Um, that adopted t-shirt did not not help the assumptions that were coming out in that moment. You've been listening to A Late Discovery, a Texas-style story of hidden secrets and jailhouse redemption from Empowered to Connect. For more on the podcast, to learn more about Brad, or to join our online community through Mighty Networks, please check out the link in the show notes below. Head to empoweredtoconnect.org or check the link in any of our social media bios at Empowered to Connect.